0: He's with us in studio. My guest this morning, Democrat Congressman David Cicilline. Multiple terms in Rhode Island. He has a lot to say today about Ukraine. 10 News Conference starts right now. Good morning, everyone. I'm Gene Valacente. This is 10 News Conference. Big weekend in the news. Rhode Island Congressman David Cicilline joins me in studio this morning. Congressman, nice to have you. Good to be a lot here. lot going on in the world, certainly. Yes. Let's dig right into it. Our time is limited on Ukraine. Were you on the, a phone call last night? Were you briefed by some high-level people? Tell me about it.
1: Yes, uh, last night our caucus was briefed by General Milley, Secretary Blinken, Secretary Yellen. Uh, Uh, General Austin, and Secretary Raimondo uh, about the current uh, status in Ukraine.
0: Without delving into what you can't speak about, what can you tell me?
1: Well, uh, what I can tell you is that the president announced yesterday a second round of sanctions. Now about 80 percent of the banking system in Russia is under sanctions, sanctioned uh, the oligarchs, the billionaires that are around uh, Vladimir Putin and their families. Mm -hmm. Um, have imposed export controls, so they, it will be virtually impossible for them to receive any technology that they're going to need to maintain their military might. So, really significant progress, and most importantly, being done along with our European allies, NATO allies. Right. So, it's going to have maximum impact because of the coalition that the president has helped develop.
0: We've stopped short of kicking them out of SWIFT, which is basically a communication tool that banks use to talk to each other. If we do that, you cut them off completely. Germany doesn't want you to do that. The Europeans don't want to do that. So, our Haven't we? But hasn't our hand been weakened?
1: Well, it hasn't. Actually, that question was asked last uh, last evening in the call. And as uh, Secretary Yellen said, SWIFT is, and as you just said, is mostly a messaging uh, architecture. So uh, the sanctions that are in place for the ten largest banks and the central bank of Russia are going to have actually more of a devastating impact than SWIFT. Uh, And obviously we want this coalition to remain intact, and so that will continue to be on the table. The president said that again yesterday.
0: Okay. Now, the president also yesterday said, well, uh, my sanctions... We're never a deterrent. We have to let them kick in to see if they they work. And people pounced on him and said, wait a minute, that's not what Secretary Blinken said, that's not what Secretary your secretary of defense said, that's not what the vice president said. Let me play the president, then you react, because I got conflicting messages yesterday. Let's make sure the congressman can hear this, too. This is- a- I didn't say sanctions couldn't stop him.
1: You've been talking about the threat of these sanctions for several weeks now. Yes,
0: but the threat of the sanctions and imposing the sanctions and seeing the effect of the sanctions are two different things. Are two different things. And we're now going to, he's going to begin to see the effect of the sanctions. Now, uh, this is rewriting history. He's been running around for weeks. His vice president, his secretary said, we're going to deter him. If he, if, if he does this, this is what's going to happen. Now, he, yeah, explain this to me.
1: Sure. So, look, the, the threat of sanctions, the purpose of sanctions is to try to prevent the military aggression. And so, we were communicating very directly to Vladimir Putin with our allies that if you take this military action, you are going to face crushing sanctions. Vladimir Putin is testing the West. Uh, the question is whether those sanctions will remain intact, whether they'll continue to be more severe and whether mm-hmm. the coalition will remain intact. I think Vladimir Putin's betting on the coalition falling apart. It's not going to because of the investment that the president made in building that mm-hmm. coalition. But it's different to threaten the sanction than to actually have them experienced okay. by the Russian economy and the Russian people. So. Uh, uh, I think. Is there
0: anything wrong with saying the president said one thing and now he's saying another? Because his secretaries went out and said, if he does that, we're going to drop the hammer. And we want to deter well, him from going yeah. in. Now he's saying the opposite. No, no.
1: I think the whole point always is that the purpose of threatening sanctions is to yeah. try to prevent the action. We were unsuccessful in preventing it. He went ahead anyway. Now we have to impose them, and the hope is that as he begins to feel the impact of them and his people feel it, there's going to be pressure to withdraw.
0: All right. Now, um, there's a price to be paid for this. And the president and the White House have been softening us up, telling us there's going to be a price, either at the gas pump or you're looking at your 401 k it's going to go thousands of dollars down you could lose in a day. The American people don't appear to have an appetite for any of this. New AP poll, Associated Press, just out. 26% say yes crackdown in a major way. 52% only want a minor involvement in this. 20% want no involvement. Add those two together, that's 72% who disagree with the president. You say what?
1: Yeah, I don't think I wouldn't read it saying they disagree with the president. Look, it's either minor or no. No, but this is a difficult time. Look, prices, people have been dealing with inflation, both in food pricing and gas prices. It's a real challenge. There's no question about it. And I think, you know, it's a very difficult thing to ask people to absorb even greater uh, costs either at the grocery store or at the gas pump. The reality is I think the president has to make the case, and I think he is, that look, this is not about one country in Europe. This is about the security of Europe, the security of the United States, our ability to contain Russia. NATO was developed to prevent Russian aggression. This is exactly what's happening here. And we cannot allow a thuggish dictator to redraw the lines of a country by force. We fought two world wars to prevent that. And so I think, look, we're going to have to be prepared to incur some costs. said he's going to do everything he can to mitigate the impact on Americans yeah. and maximize the impact on Russians. But this is about fighting for democracy and for the way of life and the yeah. shared set of values. And look, we have a long history of standing up to bullies and standing up for freedom, and I think America's going to continue to do all we can to support the Ukrainian people as they fight right. for their own country.
0: By the way, the vid- images coming out are terrible. Uh, terrible. Babies moved to the basement of a hospital, old people in subways and shelters. Maybe that poll will change. After, uh, after, the, after the television coverage over the weekend, but right now it holds. 52% say just a minor involvement, 20% say no, add it together, 72 That's different than what the president is doing. Do you really believe that this is more than just Vladimir Putin grabbing Ukraine? Because some people say he's going to grab Ukraine. He's always wanted Ukraine. He doesn't want the Baltic states. He doesn't want anything beyond that. He'd be, in, he'd be a completely insane. To go after Poland. So maybe this is just contained to Ukraine. I, I don't think so. Look, I
1: don't think we can know that for sure. He's been in Georgia, he's been in Moldova. Uh, I think this is a person who is trying to reestablish, as he's made very clear, the USSR. He describes Mm -hmm. the fall of the Soviet Union as the worst day in the history of the world. Uh, He's made it clear that he wants to rebuild the Soviet Union. So I don't think anyone can have any confidence that this is the end. I mean, certainly if he's a rational person, facing NATO would be a terrible mistake. But I don't think anyone sitting here today could say that Vladimir Putin wouldn't try to do that because I don't think he's making rational decisions. and so. We have to be prepared to fortify our western flank, our eastern flank, which we're doing now in NATO, and make it very clear that NATO is a bright line. If you in step foot in a military way into a NATO country, mm-hmm. we have a treaty obligation on Article Five to engage and to fight as if we were attacked.
0: Was it a mistake to kind of dangle a carrot in front of Ukraine and say maybe you'll become a NATO nation? some year, maybe this and maybe that. Was that the original mistake? And is that the off-ramp, having Ukraine say, we'll never be in NATO, now get out and leave us alone?
1: NATO is, a decision about who's going to be in NATO is a decision of the NATO countries and the countries seeking membership in NATO. It's not for Vladimir Putin to decide. And we could never, NATO could never, uh, under its the founding documents give Vladimir Putin the right to, to veto or override a NATO decision. It's not his decision. That's up to NATO and up to the members seeking admission. And no, like, I don't think, I think everyone acknowledges that that Ukraine has a long way to go before it gets admitted to NATO. There's a very strict procedure and a set of benchmarks they have to meet. But that's for the NATO countries and for Ukraine to decide. They get to decide, do we want to be part of the West or part of the East? They have a sovereign country. They get to decide who they want to be allies with and who they don't want to be allies with. That's not up to Vladimir Putin, plain and simple.
0: I understand that, but among the, Na- the NATO member countries, was it a mistake to make entreaties to the Ukraine, knowing this is how he's going to behave? You know, look, and that may be the off-ramp. I heard a general say that last night. Another analyst, look, you've got to guarantee it's never going to be in NATO. You, can't, it you,
1: can't give, you cannot give Vladimir Putin that assurance. You cannot tell a country you do not have a sovereign right to decide whether you want to be a part of NATO. That's the right of the Ukrainian people mm-hmm. to decide. It's not the right of Vladimir Putin. There are other ways you can provide security uh, assurances to russia but let's be clear nato is a defensive organization it has never offensively invaded anywhere this is about it was created to defend against russian aggression which is exactly what it's doing so this notion of you know russia feels mm-hmm. insecure about ukraine is preposterous it's not true it's it was a uh, an artificial argument to justify the invasion and Vladimir Putin used, you know, made the demand he knew could never be met under the defining founding articles of uh, NATO that you would guarantee someone could never be a member. That's an absurdity.
0: All right, let's just wrap up. this us talk about the Ukraine, because we have other things to talk about, a lot of things to get with, into with you in the next segment. Uh, if he takes it all, which it appears he has the might and the strength to do that, he's supposed to be just miles from Kiev today. Uh, if he takes it all, where do we go next week? He's got it. It's his. Now what? What's yeah. the next step?
1: Look, I I don't think it's going to be that simple. I think the one thing that I was struck by when I was in Ukraine recently is the the will of the Ukrainian people to fight for their country. Every person we met said, I've tasted freedom. I am not going back to being part of the Soviet Union. I'm willing to die for my country. So I think this could be a much longer engagement than uh, Vladimir Putin thinks, and people are going to continue to resist. And i think we have to find ways to support the ukrainian people to deal with the humanitarian crisis to be sure we're doing our part to help mitigate the consequences and to make vladimir putin an international pariah so that he continues to suffer and pay a price for his very violent military incursion
0: speaking of the russians this story came out last week a guy you ran against tab t-a-u-b he apparently reached out to the russians on twitter looking for dirt on you and Guccifer, or Guccifer, however you say that uh, correctly, reached back, supposedly, allegedly, and said, I've got dirt. Um, <laughs> He was locked up eventually, so certainly the credibility of of, of this guy is questioned. But what dirt did they supposedly have on you? Have you been notified? Did the Federal Election Commission show you any report? What can you add to this?
1: No, other than, look, this is just more evidence of foreign interference in American elections, which is very disturbing. We have a number of pieces of legislation that are designed to really make sure that never happens again. But American elections should be decided by the American people and not influenced in any way by Russian intelligence services. So... Uh, I was startled to hear that, um, but uh, you know we've got to make sure that we protect our elections.
0: All right. So nobody, nobody from the government has come to you and said, "Listen, the Russians, we're going to sell this to this guy," and mm-hmm. here's what they nothing. No. There's nothing exists to look at. Nothing I'm aware of. All right, you learned it. You learned it in the newspapers yeah. or in the news, like me. Yes. Were you surprised? Were you yes. amused?
1: What, what? I was sort of surprised. I mean. Uh yeah, I was surprised.
0: All right, let's move on to politics. Last time I interviewed you, you bristled when I asked you about the president's competence. You really did. And you said, oh, that's not an issue and blah, blah, blah. Well, since then, uh, Rasmussen um, has a new poll. 56% say the president is not competent. 42% say he is. It mirrors a, a CBS poll. came out uh, few months ago, fifty-one forty-nine. that's a legitimate question, isn't it, as to whether the president is competent? Uh, and you know what? CBS even asked uh, the first lady that question directly, and the president himself was asked about this yeah. directly. This has become a legitimate question. Gunnison.
1: No, I wouldn't say it's a legitimate question. Look, you're— Even you're, though CBS
0: and, and all look, these polls—
1: I, I think the president has demonstrated extraordinary competence. Uh, this is a president who, when he took over, just to give you a few key facts. Mm-hmm. Uh, about a million Americans were vaccinated. Now over 200 million Americans are fully vaccinated. This is a, a president who presided over the largest job growth on recorded, uh, hit in recorded history of mm-hmm. almost 7 million jobs last year. Uh, this is a president who led uh, the enactment of the American Rescue Plan and a bipartisan infrastructure bill that are going to bring a total of almost $4 billion to Rhode Island alone, create millions yeah. of jobs across the country. He's dealing with a multitude of both international and local challenges. And in every instance, I have seen him demonstrate extraordinary competence and skill. And uh, I think those questions are continue to be sort of Republican talking points. And, uh, you know, gets repeated yeah. often enough. People okay. start to reflected in polls but i have tremendous i mean i both have observed the president i've seen his work and i don't have any question. About
0: well confidence. i won't challenge that when he's been in your presence he may have been sharp but sometimes he looks sharp sometimes not he looks we a little all tired it happens with me i
1: look tired I, sometimes uh, no, i've never
0: seen that that <laughs> wide a spread in your appearance <laughs> well, you know but listen 56 no 42 yes rasmussen just came out it mirrors cbs But by the way, it's not a Republican stronghold. 51-49, and CBS asked the first lady. It's a legitimate question. No, I don't
1: think it's legitimate. I think the reality is that reflects, unfortunately, the partisan divide in this country. I bet you every person in that poll who questioned it a Republican, everyone who didn't Democrat. I think it's just another kind of uh, question that divides on Republican and Democratic lines, sadly. I don't think it has anything to do with Uh, with real facts about the president's
0: confidence. uh, Speaking of divides, listen, you've got a feud going on with Tucker Carlson. Do I? You do. Oh, I didn't know oh, come on, you know that. You were on C- MSNBC, you took debate, and you, of course you know that because you just wrote a letter. You're raising money off it, Congressman. Look, I said Tucker Let me, let me set it yeah. up, and then I'll let sure. you. So, honestly, you know, I always give you enough time. Uh, you, you were on MSNBC, you took debate, a question about Tucker Carlson's support for Putin, you laid into him. The next night or that night, he laid into you, and I'll play a little bit of it, and you're critical of him trying to get an interview with, uh, with Putin. So let's play a little bit of this, and then you can set it up and tell me about this sure. feud that you know about. Go ahead. Cicilline was particularly exercised that this show had sought to interview Vladimir Putin. NBC News interviewed Vladimir Putin not long ago. That was completely fine, but our efforts to do the same are not allowed. They're, quote, un-American. Two issues here. You're mad at Tucker. By the way, you want to fight with him if go on his show, right? That's I don't want to get between you and man, you and him. But you're mad that he expressed not support for Putin, but questioning why are we going in there at at all. No, Tell me, uh, it.
1: yeah. I, I think what's very important here is that um, Fox News and certainly Tucker Carlson in particular have become really a mouthpiece for Russian propaganda. This is the same broadcaster, or I wouldn't call him a journalist, whatever he is, who went to Hungary to interview Viktor Orban and to elevate Viktor Orban, who is an authoritarian leader, who is, you know, behaving in ways inconsistent with democratic values. He's, you know, he's now promoting what's the difference between Russia and Ukraine? They're both foreign countries. Well, the difference is one is a democracy with a democratically elected government. The other one is run by a thuggish dictator who's Mm. suppressing freedoms in Russia. What's the difference? Like, they're the same thing. It is preposterous and dangerous to try to equate those two things. And I think he has used his audience to, so to make this claim of, like, what's the difference, why do we care, which I think is dangerous. This, this is a very dangerous individual mm-hmm. who's now invaded a sovereign country, undermining the national security interests of the United States, killing innocent people, and to, the idea of wanting to give yeah. him a platform to spread Russian propaganda by
0: coming on a show I think is disgusting. Why don't you go on a show and tell him that? You used to go on his show.
1: I used to go on his show when I thought there was an opportunity to have an actual discussion about issues. I no longer think that's the case. Okay. And,
0: I understand you, 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 you. You're interpreting what he said your way. I get it. I follow that. You, you, you well, it's think not he, just me. I think uh, anyone no, no, who watches
1: right. it thinks I, that giving, giving, elevating people like Viktor Orbán mm-hmm. uh, and you know was the next person he's going to have on his show is Duterte from the Philippines. I mean, these are brutal, violent dictators who are undermining. Democratic values in their countries, and we shouldn't be elevating.
0: Them. I think his his comments on Putin are one thing. Why are we going after Putin? Why are we so mad at Putin? Why? We're going after because he's a murderous thug. I understand.
1: Who is uh, you know puts his opponents in prison, yeah. tries to kill them, slaughtered a journalist. And the list goes on and on. I'm trying to
0: set up the issue between you and him. That's no, it's the not one an issue, issue
1: between you and him. This is about defending America's interests. And I don't think it's appropriate for someone who has that much of an audience okay. to use it to elevate Russian propaganda.
0: All right, let me just push back a little bit. What he said on Putin and how he feels about Putin, that's one thing. And you can disagree on him and you don't want to go on a show. That's fine. But the notion that he shouldn't have an interview with Putin, well, why not? You know, uh, Mike Wallace had the, sh- had the uh, Ayatollah on right after the hostages were taken. and uh, CBS had another. Interview well, Dan Rather right. had an interview with, uh, I don't think with anyone, Saddam yeah. before we went I in. I don't
1: think anyone has confidence that he would have an interview as a journalist. It would be used as a a propaganda uh, event because Vladimir, because uh, Tucker Carlson is being played by the Russians. I mean, you look at the way he's defending their conduct or defending Vladimir Putin. I think it wouldn't be an interview like you would give or an interview like a real reporter would give. That would be a different story. He is, would basically use that platform to elevate this Russian narrative, Russian, and I think that's a mistake.
0: Okay, all right. Listen, uh, from a journalist, it's like whoever well, gets that interview with Putin. absolutely for that's a journalist, the, I wouldn't interview. call Tucker so Carlson I, a journalist. Well, okay. That's the
1: disagreement. I, He's an opinion person, and his opinions are really obvious. So okay, I got to move on to other things.
0: If you want to fight, you can go on a show. <laughs> I Although, have no interest in fighting. Well, I know, but you you did raise a fundraising letter. You outlined it, and at the bottom, it's click here to donate. My so fundraising. Never firm let a good opportunity yeah, of go. Course. All right, absolutely. Right. Let's move on to uh, other things. Uh, Rhode Island got a billion dollars in CARES money. A lot of money to spend. And uh, a lot of the advocates have their hands out. Do you know there are five times the requests for the billion dollars that we have to spend? Uh, And it seems that the poverty advocates and advocates for the homeless, they all have their hands out. What was the spirit of that money? Shouldn't that be spent for all Rhode Islanders? We've all suffered.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, we, we, when we passed both the CARES Act and the American Rescue Plan, we tried to give both state and local governments flexibility, uh, some flexibility to be able to determine what was necessary in the communities that they represent. But with the central mission of responding to the public health crisis and the economic devastation that followed from COVID-19. So it has to be related specifically to that, but it's been felt by Rhode Islanders all across our state in many different ways. It's up to the mayors and town councils and city councils of the local communities to decide how the local money will be Mm -hmm. used. It's up to the governor and the state legislature. We gave kind of broad outlines, but they'll make those judgments about kind of where it will have the greatest impact and who has, Uh, suffered the most during the both public health and economic crisis.
0: Two minute lightning round. I've got got a tight wrap. We've got to finish the show on time. Uh, You're active on cyber, on on tracking down on Facebook and Instagram and all the abuses. Where do we stand with that?
1: We passed uh, five bipartisan bills out of the Judiciary Committee, Republicans and Democrats. We've worked on this for two years. Uh they will restore competition in the digital marketplace, rein in big tech. We're fighting to get them to the floor and hopefully get a bipartisan vote. Senate is working on the same
0: package. Two shows ago you told me you wanted to take action on on, on student loans, that you were gonna cap it based on your income and you'd never pay more than a certain thing. Where did that go?
1: Yeah, I have legislation that does that. Uh the chair of our education committee has his own piece of legislation on this. I think the president, uh, I expect the president will talk about this issue in the State of the Union. Still a very big priority for me.
0: And you're going to get a new colleague in the 2nd District. Your take on Congressman Langevin leaving?
1: Uh, it has been a tremendous honor to work with and serve with Congressman Lenjamin. He's been a great friend to me, a mentor when I first got to Congress, served Rhode Island incredibly. I was a little surprised at his decision, but completely understand it. Very grateful for right. his service to Rhode
0: Island. He could be replaced by a Republican. In fact, the red wave is coming from what we hear. Are you ready for that? Yeah, I to think that's unlikely.
1: Um, I think, it's
0: unlikely, did you say? Yeah,
1: oh, I think it's very unlikely. I think this will be a seat that Democrats hold because we've demonstrated we're the party for working families, we're the party that helped create jobs, mm-hmm. that rebuild infrastructure, that drive down the costs of prescription drugs and child care. They're the party of chaos and corruption and insurrection. And the first vote a Republican would cast if he went to Washington or she went to Washington was to make Kevin McCarthy Speaker of the House. That's bad for Rhode Island. It's bad for our country. So The Democrats will prevail.
0: And just one word answer. It's also unlikely that the Republicans will prevail and take complete control? Correct. Congressman Cicilline, thanks for coming in. Always a spirited interview. I appreciate it. Good to see you. See you again soon.